Welcome to the Mastering the Mind podcast, which is now an approved basis separate endorsed resource. Uh, before we introduce the guest, uh, I don't know if you've noticed anything different about me, but the tash has been grown. Um, so yeah, I just want to say before we start the podcast, if you want to head over to the Movember uh, Instagram page to donate, it's all for a good cause. And uh, I'm joining in this year. A little bit of growth. If you haven't Looking seen it already, <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen it already, um, head over to our YouTube channel where I've uploaded this podcast. This will probably get uploaded a bit after November, to be fair. But yeah, go and check it out and uh, subscribe to our channel whilst there. So yeah, let's welcome the guest. So today we welcome Bryony Pittman to the podcast. Bryony is a British archer competing in the women's recurve event and has represented Team GB at the recent Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Some of Bryony's accomplishments have been winning gold at the 2019 European Games in Minsk, winning bronze at the 2019 World Championships. Outside of sport, Bryony is studying a humanities degree at Bruno University. So let's welcome Bryony to the podcast. We do um, some fencing today, and my word, I'm absolutely knackered. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're here now. Have you had a busy day? Uh, not too bad. I, uh, yeah, just been training and. Went to my grands, ended up doing a bit of gardening to help her and yes. <laughs> more training. So, yeah. Love, that. Love it. What have you yeah. been up to today, John? Getting ready for my trip to, to the UK. Big uh, big tweets yeah. two weeks ahead. So uh so yeah. And uh, yeah, just some some uni stuff that's keeping me busy, unfortunately. But uh but yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, a great place we like to start with our guests is um for them to get to know you. Is sort of talk us through your journey today. So from growing up to where you are now, who is Bryony Pittman? Okay, uh, so I grew up in Shoreham by Sea, um, lived there all my life. Uh, yeah, started archery when I was about 11. My dad got me involved. He had actually shot for Great Britain back in the 90s. And so like I grew up around his medals and trophies and hearing all the places he'd been. And so it was always like, oh, actually, that sounds really cool. I want to do that. And yeah, after years of nagging, he finally took me to the club and we got started. And yeah, so I fell in love with the sport. That's then been a part of all of my teenage years, basically all of my school life as well. Um, went to university in Northumbria, Newcastle, and tried to juggle that with uh, training when okay. Um I'm just in the middle of a master's as well at Brunel. And um, yeah, I've been juggling that this year with going to the Olympic Games as well. And it's all been a bit hectic and crazy. But yeah, that's a quick summary. (laughs) Okay. Just out of interest, did you have to submit anything during the the Tokyo Olympics or were you all finished with your assignments? No, luckily not. Everything was done by May. It was like the week before the first international of the season so luckily like that was the point where I was kind of able to focus on archery and my tutor messaged me as well and he was like I think you should get a dis- uh, dissertation extension and I was like yeah okay maybe, maybe that's wise <laughs> yeah no for sure you talk about balancing your studies uh with it with, with training and you found that difficult what does your training week look like um on an average week what are sort of the things that uh, archery would entail Okay, so I would normally train uh, five or six days a week. We would do a gym session in the morning, so that would be like an hour and a half, um, just normal weights. The way my program's split at the moment is I have um, 
I have leg day and then I do an upper body session, then I'll have a rest day and then like that cycle just repeats. Okay. Um, straight after that, I'll then get into shooting. We do it on arrow numbers. So uh, like a peak, I'd normally be shooting three or 400 arrows a day. And that that will be broken up into two sessions and it tends to take about two or three hours per session. Um, most of that will be at 70 meters as well. So it's it takes a long time just partly because of all of the walking. <laughs> um, yeah. But then I do a, a probably two or three sessions a week. I'll have uh, just a, a close distance, just working on technique and things like that rather than focusing on a score. So um, those are the kind of sessions that I've worked better with um, all of my uni work as well, because that's a session I could do 200 arrows in an hour and a half and it's done. So yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's pretty much what, what we do. We do um, cardio as well. I do three half hour sessions a week, normally running just because it's, I don't like running, but it's just <laughs> easy because you just start and then you stop and it's done. Yeah. You don't have to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's roughly what it's like. Okay. That's fantastic. So you mentioned your dad was a huge inspiration, obviously being an archer himself um, back in the day. So how did he get, like, how did he make you get into the sport? Did he kind of hand you over like uh, with the equipment and say, here you go, have a try. Or did you kind of naturally, uh, like you said, um, were you like, really inspired by him? Um, yeah. So when the first time I ever shot a bow, I was about four years old and he'd just taken me and my older brother to the club one day um, just for something to do, I think. And mm. We had a go. I remember really enjoying it. And um, we did it a few times. But then a year later, my youngest brother was born. And so my dad had kind of stopped shooting then, um, obviously, to look after my brother. And so we just kind of, yeah, didn't do it anymore. And then all of those years after that, it was just a case of, you know, like we've got a cabinet with some of his trophies and medals in would be sitting having dinner and he'd be like oh yeah when I went to the world games in whatever country and it was like oh this sounds really cool so it was <laughs> yeah it was a case of just I was like I really want to go to a world championships I want to be a world champion archer like like he was and like, the, the Olympics didn't even cross my mind at the time it was just I want to go to the world championships mm -hmm. so yeah it was he really inspired me I think mm. Was there any sort of internal pressure that you felt uh, to to reach them sort of heights or was it more just for the love of the sport? Um, it was more just for the love of it. I think the probably the biggest thing that my dad's um, said to me was, you've just got to enjoy it. Like, what is the point in going to these competitions and, um, uh, yeah, and training like this much if you then don't enjoy it and you like, you feel like it's a chore. So there's, there have been times obviously when I, I've thought, Oh crap, like I really want to shoot. Well, I always going to be disappointed, but I think that's more from me rather than anything that he's ever <laughs> said or done. Mm. We've had a few athletes actually on the podcast where their parents were previous athletes themselves. And it's really interesting having that dynamic, isn't it? Um, whether it's internal pressure or external pressure, your dad obviously coached you when you're like throughout your development. So how was that kind of dynamic? Did you find that kind of easy, like for him yeah, to, to be coaching? For me, yeah. it's ended up being really easy. I think there have obviously been times where it's like, I'll have a strop about something because it's not going mm. well and I don't know what it is. Um, 
but and, and I think because because of that like parent-child relationship it's it's almost easier to get annoyed at somebody like that than if it was a, a different coach um but equally the fact that he is my dad it's also been easier if I am having a problem to go okay this isn't working what can we do or oh, I'm really struggling with balance and everything at the moment what do I need to do to kind of maintain the archery whilst still getting all of my stuff written and submitted so it's there's probably been a lot more good from it than than bad yeah yeah, yeah on, on the come up uh, obviously other than studies was there anything else that was challenging uh, the career of obviously archery or was there anything that interested you as well uh, that you had to sort of put to a side um not really I wasn't that great at any other sports so okay. <laughs> um, that, that part wasn't an issue I think the like this having a social life was kind of off the like off the table basically it's mm. there's um obviously where I'm living our training centers up in Lillishall um which is just north of Birmingham so it's a four-hour drive so I was spending um during my A-levels I was doing a week at, at Lillishall and then a week at home and so it was just like I was I spent so much of my time just sat in a car or then yeah. catching up on work that it was just yeah there was no time for for any socializing and it was just relying on having that from my teammates and also at the time my team was mostly older so I was 16 17 and most of my teammates were over 30 so it was kind of a a weird dynamic for me to then be like the the only child there um Mm. having all of these other things that that other people didn't have to deal with so yeah it was a bit isolated sometimes I think did you feel like that affected your performance at times um was there ever times where you thought, you know, maybe I, I'd prefer not to do this and, you know, enjoy life as a as a teenager would? Because obviously, like me growing up, might like. Um, there's only. Go on. I think there's a bit of a delay in the <laughs> in the call. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, there's only been like one time, uh, really, where I actually thought, oh, I don't know if I want to do this and that was after I competed at the Olympic Games in 2014 the Youth Olympic Games sorry and it was like I'd had a bad performance I'd spent three months living at Lillishall before the games uh it hadn't gone to plan and it just kind of that like, I, I just didn't really want to to do archery for a while like I, I was really fed up I didn't know where to go or how to improve and so I think I think I took about six weeks off and that was the longest um time I hadn't shot for uh since I'd started pretty much and yeah that was the only real time that I thought about giving up and ever like I think the thing that stopped me was it was like well I've come this far I've trained so hard already it's not that long till the next Olympics just carry on and see where it takes you what made you go back to it was it did you really miss the sport or yeah what were what were really the aspects that you missed about not being able to not competing I just missed archery more than anything it wasn't even like competing specifically or doing the training it was just the fact that I just wanted to go out to the club and shoot my bow and shoot them in the middle and uh, it's that feeling that you get when you shoot a perfect shot and you watch it land in the middle and it was like oh actually I've kind of missed that <laughs> I want to do it and but it was nice because I I went back to it when I had that feeling and when I 
yeah going back when I missed it rather than thinking oh I should probably go and shoot now because I have to mm. um so I think that really helped switch my mindset back to why I started as well yeah sometimes a break from from anything is healthy you know to to realize why why you started it and I have to do that with a lot of things to be honest um but yeah no talking about let's go to 2019 so that was an exciting year for you wasn't it Yes. Uh, you won bronze at the World Championships and gold at the European Games. So what were those experiences like and which one was your favourite? Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to say the European Games was probably my favourite purely because it was after the World Champs. And so we didn't have that same pressure of winning the Olympic spots. So that whole uh, winter 2018 to 2019, there was so much pressure on us as a team of okay, the world champs is coming up. You have to get those quota spots for the Olympics or we're not going to have any funding, basically. Um, we lost it all after Rio and we had been trying to get it back. So it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a case of, there was, yeah, a lot of weight on our shoulders for the entire programme. It wasn't just for our own um, good kind of going, like, oh, you could go to the Olympics. It was, everything depends on this. So yeah. I think going into it it was very stressful um my granddad actually died the day the world champ started so that was hard as well because then it was like oh like another spanner in the works um and yeah then going through that week we had the olympic quota tournament and i've never felt so sick in my life i I didn't want to shoot um yeah it was it was just such a range of emotions and then actually getting that place we only had to shoot that one match that day and then we were done but yeah the the lead up to it was horrible and then once we'd actually shot the match and we'd got the spaces it was just like everything was just like a flood of emotion everybody on the team was crying Um, Yeah. yeah and so the rest of the week kind of just all like was blurred by all of that emotion at the start um and it was amazing, but it was, it just felt so much easier than, than the rest of the week had. So it was, yeah, it was, it was great, but not yeah, mm. <laughs> compared to everything else. I didn't have that same feeling of excitement. And yeah, then we went straight to the European Games after that. And it was just absolutely amazing because we could relax and we could enjoy it. And um, like we had our Olympic spots the team was shooting really well and we just went into it with full confidence and, and yeah, and had fun and it really paid off. Yeah. Funding seems to be a, a prominent theme uh, across like the podcast. Like it's crazy how that's really an extra stressor for athletes. Um, so how did you guys kind of cope on that day? What, what were, what were the types of things you were saying to each other to calm, calm yourselves down a bit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the men's team were probably a lot better at it than the women's. Um, the men's team were kind of trying to hype each other up and like just make each other a bit more confident. And that kind of spread into the women as well when like we were talking across the teams. But I remember the lunchtime before, um, well, we, we'd practiced in the morning before the match and it was just terrible and none of us knew what was going on. We didn't know why it was bad, but there was... We, we just kind of didn't really know what to say to each other. It was like, this is so important. Like, it, yeah, it was almost a bit awkward. Um, mm. 
And it was just a case of saying, it's okay, like we've got a couple of hours, we'll sort it out when it happens. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I remember the lunchtime just before we were about to have our match, it was just, we were sat there in silence. And I think everybody was just so in their own head, just trying to calm themselves down that we didn't really have a chance to talk to anybody else. Yeah. Can't imagine. So having that, so you guys obviously performed fantastic afterwards at the European Games. So would you say that not having that kind of expectation anymore, did that really help you guys thrive? Is that how is that how you perform optimally, would you say? Um not necessarily the expectation, because I think we then went to the European Games knowing that we were very capable of getting a medal. Um, and so, so then it was kind of a different pressure, but it was it definitely helped not having that weight of the programme depends on this medal. Um, and it was more. It was more supportive as well, like everybody um, from Archery GV was like, OK, yeah, you can do this now. Off you go. Um, rather than, yeah, we really need a result here. Uh, and the same when like we actually got to European Games, then the whole of the BOA were like, okay, like, great, you did really well there. Um, yeah, we believe you can do something good here. Uh, we'll give you whatever you need. So, yeah, having we, – we still had pressure, but it was, yeah, a lot different, and that definitely helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, expectation was probably the wrong word there. <laughs> um, <laughs> So how did you guys feel when you realised you were going to the Olympics? Like, for you personally, how was it? Were you kind of nervous, uh, anxious? Because it was your first senior Olympics, wasn't it? So yeah, t- tell uh, us more how you were feeling. I think I was just... In 2020, when like as soon as I found out we were going, um, I was like more excited than anything else. Um, okay. Couldn't wait. I just wanted to uh, skip forward a few months and get there. But then the problems came more when COVID started um, and everything went into lockdown and obviously the games were postponed and it turned that whole prep period into, yeah, just so much anxiety of, is this going to go ahead? Um, And just like this constant thought in the back of my head of, I don't want to have to wait another four Mm. years. I don't want to have to re-qualify and go through that world champs experience again. Um, So yeah, that was kind of when it became tough but once we went to kicking out and then we were actually on the plane in the holding camp and things like that that was when it felt more real again um and that excitement came back and yeah I really looked forward to it yeah competing at Olympic Games I'm super interested how you managed to do this because obviously there is high pressure it's like the highest stage um and obviously with your hands you've got to be so calm and collected you know how do you put yourself in a state to be able to perform with still hands? Because I know if I'm in any pressure situation, me and, me and John know this, you know, when we're gaming, we get into a pressure situation, our hands are like this. <laughs> so how do you manage to do that? Like, are there any strategies or anything you put in place to sort of put yourself in that calm mindset? Uh, I think what I found uh, is that there's only so much I can do to kind of minimize the effects of it rather than trying to eliminate it um because pretty much every final I've ever shot I've had an adrenaline rush and I've been shaky so it's more yeah more a case of handling it rather than getting rid of it so for me it's just before I go out I have a little notebook with a load of affirmations written down so I'll read through them um and then whilst I'm actually on the line I just try and 
breathe between the shots to try and keep myself a bit calm and at least attempt to lower my heart rate. Um, and then one of my affirmations as well is that I shoot tens regardless of how I feel. And that's kind of just to drill in that even if I am a bit shaky and it's not as stable, as long as I'm looking at the middle and I try and execute a good shot, then chances are it will go close to the middle. So that's more or less how I deal with it. And then when I'm back off the line chatting to my coach and things, I just like to chat and have a normal conversation rather than thinking, oh, this is what happened there. This is what the weather's doing. And like overthinking what I'm actually doing. I just kind of like to forget about it and yeah, move on. When you're doing that breathing in between shots, is there any specific technique that you follow or is it just, you just breathe in, in and out, you know, focusing on that? Um, It's yeah, more it's uh, like focusing on, on the breath and kind of what it, feels like so like my lungs filling up my chest raising and then when I breathe out everything relaxing um and I'll do that a couple of times whilst the other person's shooting because we alternate and then once it's my go I'll just breathe in then I'm ready to go so something we also like to cover especially when we we talk about the Olympic experience um is there any routine that you follow say on on competition day um let's say from the moment you wake up is there a routine that you follow uh, that you like to do to, for optimal performance? Um, probably like I'll get up because sometimes it, well, it changes when we compete, if it's the morning or the afternoon, it's never the same. Um, mm. And our competition days vary so much as well. So like we'll have a long qualification day. Then the next day we have matches and you might only shoot two matches one day and then you'll have five the next. So it's um, yeah, depending on when I'm shooting normally, I'll get up, have breakfast. Um, I always try and eat the same thing. Um, And then I'll have like a playlist of certain songs that I listen to when I'm training. So it kind of gets me in the mindset of of feeling comfortable. And Mm. then, um, yeah, I'll go through the affirmations that I've written down. I also have like a little shot routine written down just to kind of (laughs) remind myself what I need to do. Um, And then... Uh, if I'm not competing till the afternoon, I just try and chill out, watch Netflix or something, and just relax. Um, and then right before the competition starts, I'll read through those things again. Um, anytime I'm on a bus or traveling anywhere, I'll have the same music on. And then I'm trying to get a bit better at debriefing after I've finished competing, because in the past I've always just gone, okay, I'm done now. <laughs> We're the um, same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I've been, been trying. Um, but in the lead up to the Olympics, like writing down, okay, this is how it felt. This is what went well. This is what I'm going to work on for next time. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. In your music playlist, um, do you try and focus on music that's, um, I don't know what the word is, is it low cadence or beats, or is it just music that you genuinely like? Um, to, you said about that feeling of comfortable. Um, is that something you go for? What's in your playlist? Yeah, that'd be stuff that just stuff that I really like listening to, and um, any songs that I've heard that like have really motivational lyrics. Some of those will be in there too. Um, But yeah, just so yeah, stuff that I enjoy listening to, and that I can listen to in training, and then like not get bored of as well. Yeah, Mm. that's fair enough. That's important. Updating that playlist is key. I get the same thing. Um, so, so what was the Olympic experience like? So, 
the kind of environment, the the setting, Tokyo. T- tell us more. How how was that for you? Oh, it was it was quite crazy. Uh, <laughs> like from from the moment we got on the plane, um, it was like you're, you're suddenly part of such a, a big team. And even though like you might not know the other person that's wearing GB kit, but if you're walking around and you see somebody, you just say hi. And it was, yeah, it just, it, yeah, it was, <laughs> I don't really know how to put it into words. It was exciting and busy. And like even the experience of being in the village, you go outside and there are just people everywhere and everywhere one's there for the same purpose but like there's just like a a constant buzz of excitement from everybody like excited nerves and I think yeah even walking around it's like part of me was like should I be (laughs) you see you see other famous people and it's like how how am I on the same like um stage as them I walked past Andy Murray one day in the village and he said hi to us and I was like what (laughs) (laughs) so yeah like that it's just such an unreal experience and I don't think no amount of somebody telling me this is what it's going to be like could have prepared me for for what it was actually like yeah must must have been a surreal a surreal experience for you um so obviously well you actually mentioned on, on on social media that the kind of Olympics for you was a, a kind of emotional roller coaster. So, what what do you mean by that? What what did you? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just the whole path of getting there. It was like excitement and nerves and anxiety around the whole COVID thing and how it was going to work. And even in the prep camp, it was very much like I'm not an Olympian until the day I shoot my first arrow in competition. And so everything was focused for me to just get to that first day and shoot that one arrow. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, then once we'd actually started the competition, like my first arrow in qualifying, I've never been so nervous to shoot one arrow, I don't think. And I managed to shoot and it was a 10 and it was great. And my qualifying, I finished on a 10 as well. And I was like, okay, this is, this is absolutely amazing. The bit in the middle was just just very up and down. Um, So I actually qualified a lot lower than I wanted to I think I was like 38th or something out of 64 um a good like 20 points less than I'd been shooting in practice so it was a bit worrying then like okay well what's going wrong why like how can I fix this for the next couple of days then we shot the team rounds a couple of days later and I just I, th- I didn't shoot very well <laughs> there's no denying it went very very bad um and we went out in the first round and especially after having such a successful 2019 as a team it was like well okay we've now we've got to focus on our individual performances but I felt like I was shooting a lot better than I was scoring and I spoke to my dad after that team round and he had watched the video back and he was like well you looked nervous like I've not seen you look that nervous um so I kind of with my individual matches I then went in with more of the mentality of okay I'm just going to enjoy myself and see what happens and I think before that I'd just been trying too hard because I was so desperate to perform and kind of prove myself um then that when it came to the individual I went out there I enjoyed myself I was 4-0 down in my first match uh to be honest I don't really remember it I don't don't remember that I was about to lose um 
yeah, made a comeback, ended up winning that match against um, one of the 2016 Olympic medalists. Then my second match, I beat one of the London 2012 medalists. And it was just kind of a bit like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is where where my, my good shooting like comes from. That that enjoyment and not trying to prove myself, just going out there and shooting one arrow at a time and, and loving every moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, then a couple of days later, I had my next match and it didn't go very well. Um um, again I'm not really sure why it was actually really windy the first few days and then it was calm on this day so I think I just didn't manage to aim at the middle very well <laughs> um, yeah maybe needed some more wind but yeah. that was kind of yeah I ended up finishing ninth at my first Olympics I was um the the best place individual um on the British archery team so I actually even though it didn't start very well I finished on a on a massive high and it's given me a really good confidence boost going forward so. definitely yeah you should you should be proud of yourself it's a really good accomplishment especially for your first olympics um so is that the main thing then that you think you took from those olympics is just the enjoyment side of it is is really important is that the the main lesson would you say you, you took away yeah i think so because the the second I walked out on that stage for the first time for those team rounds, like I, I felt more nervous than I probably ever had. Mm. And I think I didn't really know how to handle that. And mm. so, so then like the overthinking starts and it's like, okay, well, how do I shoot well? Um, whereas the other matches, it was very much like a, okay, well, I've put myself in a tough position. Nobody expects me to win. I'm just going to go out there and, do what I can and hopefully it's good enough and yeah so I think I think going forwards it's not even just the Olympics but every competition it's going to be a case of okay I'm just gonna enjoy this and I'm here because I want to be rather than like nobody's making me um yeah yeah during those moments of you feeling that pressure and you're overthinking um you've spoken about your dad your dad talking to you you've spoken previously about um your brothers being extremely supportive uh, so they're sort of your support networks. How important are they to you? And also what type of uh, support are they providing you with in those moments? Oh, so it's just, it's, yeah, there's having phone calls with them. Like my my dad, more than anybody, can kind of deal with the archery side and say, okay, this is what it looked like. And sometimes he says stuff, even if he has no idea what's going wrong, <laughs> he'll say, okay, it's it's this purely so that I think oh okay well I'll work on that and it takes my mind off oh everything's going wrong um and that generally then that that helps because I've just got this one specific thing to focus on so yeah he was really useful um with that that side of things and hearing him say things as well like just go and enjoy yourself it doesn't matter how you do just do what you can that took a lot of pressure off um and then with my brothers and my mum as well they're kind of like the the non-archery support so like just general cheerleaders like yeah you're doing great we're proud of you anyway just um yeah j- just have fun and then they're there just if I want to ring and have a chat as well about anything um rather than me being stuck in this archery bubble I guess which we kind of were at the Olympics so yeah for sure um I was gonna ask you something, but I completely forgot. Oh yeah, so your dad was he? Did he not travel with you to um, to Tokyo then? He okay. 
No. Um, no, so we only had uh, four staff with us in Tokyo. So they were our two national squad coaches, a physio and our team manager. Okay. So, yeah. so have you got your sights set on the uh, next Olympics then? Because then hopefully all the fans are back in the stadiums and uh, that's when you'll get the uh, gold, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the main stage in front of everyone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we've got a, a much stronger team coming through at the moment, like some of the juniors are coming up. And um, I think that's quite good because in the past, it's always just been kind of like the three of us that are on the team and nobody's really been competitive. So I think the fact that we've got other people coming through now in this Olympic cycle will really help everybody improve rather than um, just kind of being comfortable at whatever level we were at. Yeah. How have you found the po- like post-Olympic feelings? Um, how- how's training been? Because often a theme we- we've had uh, with Holly Bradshaw, she spoke about the Olympic blues. Um, how have you found that? Um, it's definitely been strange. I think I had um, a European Championships and a World Championships in September. So getting back from the Olympics, I'm kind of glad I still had those to focus on because it kind of, I didn't want to train so much. Like I was kind of like, okay, I need a break now. Um, But at the same time, I think if I'd stopped shooting at like straight after the Olympics, it would have been very much like a, oh, well, what do I do now? And even like I had an interview about a month after the games and somebody said, oh, well, what's, what's your favorite competition? And I can't remember what I said, some, some other event. And they were like, oh, not the Olympics. And it was like, oh yeah, that happened. (laughs) And I think just because I've spent like most of my life training for this one event and then it's over in a couple of weeks, it's just like, okay, well, what next? (laughs) I've ticked that box now. Like I've got another three years. What do I do in that time? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, for sure. It's something we really do see and think about as like spectators like you guys actually have that feeling and it's it's really interesting to hear, to hear how, how you're feeling after it because we'd all be thinking like oh it must be amazing etc but it's not always the case like it's a bit anticlimactic in, in, in a sense yeah. But, uh, but yeah um so you mentioned covid uh, and the pandemic kind of interrupting uh obviously the olympics what were ways that you kind of coped with that period? Because obviously, I guess all your training facilities were shot. So I, I saw some videos on your on your social media uh, of you. As, I think it's in the garage, like shooting. Yeah. Is that was that kind of a, a way that you adapted to to the pandemic, or is that just uh, something that's, you? That's something do? I've done anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, just like what I was talking about earlier, where we yeah. have like close um, close range yeah. shooting. So that I ended up doing a lot of that. And, but the problem is it's so boring. (laughs) Um, Spending hours in my garage was not fun. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I, I definitely went through a bit of a dip. I think as soon as the Olympics was postponed, I didn't shoot much for about a month um, just because it was like, well, I don't really feel like I've got anything to train for at the moment. Add my dissertation due for my undergrad. So I was like, well, I'm just going to focus on that, get that done, and then pick up training again a bit later. And it was it was a struggle purely because of that uncertainty. And at times mm-hmm. it did just feel like I'm training for something that I don't even know if it's going to happen. Yeah. And like a bit like, oh, what's the point? It's every time things got worse and we had another lockdown, it was like, well, 
why don't I just stop and have a bit of a break? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was definitely tough. I found the the gym side of things harder than anything, I think, because I, I've always been able to shoot in my garage or at least when I needed to shoot, I could, but not having access to the gym and I have all like some stuff at home to do my home workouts and stuff, but I just didn't have that motivation. And it was like, Oh, well I'd normally train in the morning partly so that it was done. And then I don't really have an excuse later in the day. But when I was at home, it was like, Oh, well, you know, I've got hours to do it. I'll do it later. Oh, I'll do it later. And then it would get to the evening. I'll be like, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, So that, that probably took the biggest hit, but yeah, kind of the start of this year when it seemed more like everything was going to go ahead, then it was like, okay, I'll put everything into it. So, yeah. Just then you mentioned like motivation and and things like that, but um, something I've started asking all our guests is um, relevant to their sport is what are the main psychology characteristics or attributes you feel make a professional archer? Oh, um, I think you've got to be very focused and you've got to be patient as well. Um, (laughs) Expand. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously, like, when you've got hours of training, but then also your competition day, chances are your qualifying round is going to be three hours. Uh, Things can go wrong. You can have breaks if there's bad weather and things like that so you have to be able to stay focused for that whole amount of time and keep your head in it and not at any point start thinking about what's going to happen after or what you're going to score you've got to be like very present um and yeah that kind of ready for for anything I think you've got to be quite resilient as well just from the point of view of especially outdoors, you'll be shooting in all weather conditions. The only time we really stop is if the wind's bad enough that the targets are blowing over or if there's lightning. Um, So yeah, it could be chucking it down and you've kind of just got to stand there in the freezing cold and get on with it. Um, So yeah, you've just got to be very resilient and prepared for, for anything and yeah, have that ability. Oh, the cop to focus through it all hold on yeah no it's caught, that's it's caught for me it's it, good no no it's good now I give a I think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah talking about the psychology characteristics I'm just interested to hear what's how important is confidence do you feel like you when, when you're shooting obviously I relate back to my sport so being a striker let's say I go through a run of form where I'm not really scoring um, do you feel like you can get into a similar sort of rut where you're not shooting as well? And then when you do finally get those, a, a bit of momentum going, your confidence is through the roof and you can keep firing tents. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Like I found that there was a couple of years ago, we had a, um, a selection competition and it was like, yeah, I, I felt like almost unstoppable. It was like nothing I could do, like would put my arrow anywhere other than mm. the gold um and having like a couple of days of that it then really massively boosted my confidence and I shot some of the highest scores I've ever shot off the back of that and then going into that season as well then that was probably one of my best international seasons um whereas like in contrast going into the Olympics I was 
that I wasn't shooting badly, but I wasn't shooting those high scores that I had been. And it was kind of like, I, I knew that I could shoot like an average score, but then going into a competition, it was like, well, I don't really know. I could have a good day, but equally it could just be this same average thing that I've had for the last couple of months. So yeah, definitely. I think having that confidence in competition of, yeah, this is how it's been going. I know I'm going to be able to do this today. Um, it makes a huge difference. When you get into those sort of ruts, is there anything that you've done to help yourself get out of it? I know for me, um, something that really used to help me was my dad had sit me down and he, he taught me through like what I need to do to start scoring goals again, really analyse my performance and then I go away and, uh, and practice that. What are some things that you feel have helped you get out of them ruts? Uh, probably similar. Like I'd sit down with my dad and he'd say, okay, well, this we can do slightly better on your technique. Um, we can maybe tweak this on your bow so that it's a bit more forgiving. Mm. Um, we could try this. Um, yeah, that's probably the the most common thing. But there are also times when, like when I'm away at a competition and I'm kind of left to my own devices to try and work it out. That's That tends to be where I struggle more, but I find like writing things down helps or trying to focus on like one specific aspect of my shot rather than thinking everything's wrong just focusing on that like one thing just to take my mind off everything else and letting everything else just like go back to how it naturally wants to be yeah you mentioned there um, about changing something to your bow to make it more forgiving which reminded me of um, golf and how all the technology in golf is sort of catered towards different handicaps and obviously the more forgiving the club the less you aim off centre it's still going to you know give you a little bit for a better shot um, what's the technology like my my knowledge of archery is very limited um, the, the technology in the the bows and the um, what would you call it <laughs> Yeah, like the build of the bow. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Is, everything it, is, is it catered towards you or is it similar across everyone? Yeah, everything is so specific to to that one person. Like the, the actual bows themselves are uh, like, it's just like the riser, which is the middle bit, that will just come in two different lengths. And then you have the limbs, which are the bits on the ends that bend. Um, they come in different weights, different lengths. So... Um, like for me, I would shoot um, I, like 43 pounds is what I pull. Um, but somebody else like a beginner might only pull 20. So they'd have a lighter set of limbs. Then the arrows as well. Uh, you can get aluminium ones, carbon ones. Um, they come in different spines. So if you shoot a heavier weight, you need a stiffer arrow. Um, and then you can change the point weight and stuff as well. And yeah, everything is so tailored to that one specific person and what they need um yeah that, and then you can kind of there are little extra bits on the bow where you can tweak so you get that perfect tune um even if things aren't exactly as they're supposed to be yeah. did, did you fluctuate between different builds of the bow and like the arrows or did you kind of find your optimal bow build i would say quite quickly or have you tr really trialed and errored or um I've not tried too much. It's been more a case of like, as I'm growing um, and as I was getting stronger, I just kind of, I got a bigger bow. I started pulling more weight and then I built the weight up gradually. Um, 
and then as I up um, the bow weight, then obviously my arrows changed as well. Mm. And yeah, I kind of, I've more or less stuck with the same bow for the last four years, I'd say. And the only things really that I've played with are my arrows. So like changing the point weight and, um, and things like that. But actually since the Olympics as well, I've uh, dropped my draw weight down quite a lot so that just where I'm shooting a bit less, it's a lot easier. And if I'm making any technique changes as well, um, I can handle it a bit better. And that's, that's, yeah, really, that's the only changes that I've, I've made in the last few years. I've very, yeah, very much found, okay, this is what's working for me. I'll only make small tweaks from this rather than changing everything. Yeah. yeah. Just in terms of that technology um, and the funding, would you ever go to a competition and find that someone's like got the top of the range, like this is much better than anyone else's, so it's sort of hard to compete against that? Or is that not a thing? Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not really a thing, just from the point of view of, yes, the bows can do so much to get the arrow in the middle, but at the end of the day, it is still very much the archer's ability um, to sh- to shoot that con- consistent shot um, yeah. to get them in the middle one after the other. And yeah, so, so if somebody comes to a competition with all the latest gear, um, it, it could be great. Like they could have moments of greatness, but equally it could be set up totally wrong and it could be a complete disaster. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it very much depends on the person. Okay. As a, as a football player, I really like to have like my old boots. Like I really like relying on my old equipment, like my old shin pads. Like you know, so like I don't know. It might be a mental thing, but it's it's interesting that you say that. Like I don't think I'd be playing that well if I had like a new pair of boots every week or something like that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. the trusty um, steeds. Yeah, <laughs> I did have one more question. Um, we're we're just firing questions at you. <laughs> um, but do you have like a biomechanical coach or? someone to really break down the whole movement and correct you or uh we used to um before 2016 we had a guy called ollie who worked with us full-time um every time i went up to lillishaw we would do different videos um getting all of the angles of the shot um he could do high speed on your bow as well to make sure that the bow was actually set up correctly and all of that stuff was really good and really useful but since then he moved on he's now working at British Swimming and we kind of we had a new person come in but I think she was she'd only just finished um university and because we had new coaches come in as well they were kind of like a bit like actually I want to do the coaching you can just watch so we didn't really get to work with her so much the last few years we've not really had that same um the same level as what we were getting before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You talk about working with like coaches there. Have you ever worked with a sports psychologist? Kind of. We, <laughs> we've tended to go through quite a few. <laughs> um, okay. I, every, every couple of years we ended up changing. So it was like, there's all of these people coming with different ideas, but it's never been like a consistent enough relationship to go, okay, this is what we're going to put in place for you. And then um like actually building on that so it's only been um the last couple of years the para team had a psychologist that they've been working with a lot and he would stand and he'd watch them whilst they were training and then 
do things whilst they were training. And I actually got in touch then with our performance director and I said, okay, well, I want to work with him. (laughs) Um, And so I'd been doing stuff with him before the Olympics. And um, and now I think we're doing more again with him as the Olympic team as well um, going forward. So hopefully that's something that um, is a bit more stable in the future. Why do you think it wasn't as stable beforehand? Was it because maybe the psychologists weren't as good of a fit in the team or? Um, partly, but I think it's also because it's like, obviously one psychologist or like one way of doing things doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. So you get one person in, uh, but if the majority of the team say, oh, actually, I don't like that, then it's like, okay, well, we'll get rid of them and we'll bring somebody else in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it just never yeah, no, nobody ever really seemed to to click properly. Um, okay. And partly just the fact that we didn't have anybody that would come in and watch us train and work with us like on a regular basis either. It was like, okay, you can have one day every two weeks and they've got to see all 12 athletes in that one day. Um, it, yeah, it just never really worked. Yeah. Talking on that current work then with the, the sports psychologist that you, you're sort of seeing at the moment, um, what are the sort of things you've been working on? Is it mainly for improving performance or solving problems that you've had in performance previously? What, what are the sort of things you've been working on? Um, it was more kind of improving performance and like getting ready for the Olympics. So yeah. um, it was making sure that I had some kind of routine um between like all of my shots that I was doing and just making that more consistent especially once you're on that stage trying to like refocus on myself rather than thinking oh what's the other person doing what are they getting what do I need to win that kind of thing so we did uh quite a lot of visualization stuff and I had like a um a video that I'd listened to and basically he'd just like talk me through what my shot routine was and I'd just close my eyes and imagine it. We also had one where I just had like a load of photos of Tokyo and what the venue was going to look like, what the village was going to look like just to kind of familiarize myself with it as well. So that once I got there, I wasn't like, Oh my God, what is this? Um, I just kind of got used to, to the surroundings. So they were like the main things. And then also um, like visualizing different match scenarios it's like okay it's going really well I just need a 10 to win like how do I cope um and equally like okay I've just flung one out in the two like what do I do now like how do I recover from that and that kind of thing so yeah it's been really useful it's yeah, really that- interesting yeah <laughs> yeah that was going to be a question how useful has it been to you if you found it really helpful yeah definitely I think having something like that going into the Olympics as well when in the past it's always been like okay I don't really know what I'm doing I'm just going to turn up and see what happens like having yeah at least something small that I could do and knowing what to expect going into it that it was really really useful I think and something to build on going forwards as well what what are some aspects that you look for in a psychologist that like what are some qualities that you look for in, in having that, like to have a really good relationship with a, with a psychologist or do you usually get along pretty well with people? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think like generally it would just be like somebody that, that I get along with and I can have a like an honest conversation with 
but mm. also like in the past I've always struggled as well especially when I was younger because it was like I'm not an expert in sports psychology like I don't know what to do and I can read all of the books in the world but unless it actually says like try this very specific thing I'd be a bit lost it's like okay well I now understand this but I don't actually know how to put it into action so mm. I think for me having somebody that I can say okay well like even if this doesn't work to try it like what do I need to do like and then yeah just a process of trial and error but yeah somebody that can actually say to me okay here's a task do it see how it goes um and then we'll review it rather than going okay here's some information about psychology um yeah. off you go mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah for sure no, super interesting just going back to um or going back or moving on to like balancing your career with university how's that been um have you found that is it been difficult have you found that it's hindered your performance uh it's definitely been difficult there was so I actually did my first year of uni at Brighton and um just before I was about to start my second year I'd said to them okay I've got a double world championships right at the start of term like is it okay and they were like oh yeah yeah that's fine a couple of weeks before we started I was like okay just double checking this is what's happening and they were like oh well you're gonna fail the semester if you do that and it was like okay well (laughs) great so I ended up dropping out um and I just took a year where I was just training because by then it was too late as well to um transfer to anywhere else so um yeah that wasn't ideal um but then when I then started at Northumbria and the same when I was at Brunel it's I've had so much support I've got extensions when I need them everybody was really helpful but for me it's always been like I've actually shot better when I've had something else to focus on. I found when, when archery becomes like my whole life, I then put too much pressure on myself because it's like, oh, well, this is all I'm doing. Like, how can I not be winning medals? Whereas at least if I've got something else, it's like, okay, well, this is my getaway from archery as well. Um, like I'm balancing the two things and then I'll go to a competition and it's easier to enjoy it because it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm here because I want to be, I'm not doing uni work, so that's also a plus. Um, mm. Yeah, it's it, yeah, both of them have been like a nice break from each other. So even though it's been difficult and there have obviously been like pinch points where there's been just too much to do, in general, I'd say like it's been quite positive. Yeah. My, myself and Oliver kind of experienced a, a similar thing to you where at the start at Loughborough and our masters, we'd focused so much on our grades and our performance at uni. And then when we started this podcast, it kind of allowed us to, you know, focus on something else and not to be obsessed about those grades and our performances. So it's really, it's really interesting that you've had the similar experience. Like having those different areas in your life is, is really key to kind of relax a bit and not be obsessed, to, you know, yeah. about performance. For sure. What was your main motivation behind going to study university? And for the listeners, what are you studying? Uh, my undergrad was history and my master's is intelligence and security so it's when I was doing my undergrad it was more that that was something I was interested than anything else and it also gave me an extra few years of just like being able to shoot being able to go to competitions without having to think oh well I need to get a job because I've got no money so um, that was kind of the motivation at the start and then 
I just ended up finding that really interesting uh really enjoyed actually like learning stuff and learning things that I wanted to um and so that was kind of what motivated me to do my master's then as well and the plan was always to do it after the Olympics so that I could focus more like just on the Olympics and then um I'd have a bit bit of time afterwards but then when it got postponed I was like well I don't really want to wait an extra year and like not graduate then till the following year so (laughs) Mm. yeah I ended up doing it um in the Olympic year anyway but it was yeah it was just again it was just something that I enjoyed it's um it's helped me balance um the archery better as well and enjoy it more and take that pressure off myself so Mm. it's yeah okay what's Mm. the main part of history that interests you the most is there a specific part I don't actually know what a history degree entails so I'm interested to know your answer here uh so for me it's been modern conflict so um yeah both the world wars um especially like uh the late 1900s so what I'm doing my dissertation on at the moment is the troubles in Northern Ireland I think just because it's so relevant to today still and obviously so close to home as well um yeah I just find it absolutely fascinating yeah definitely I was a history history of a geography all the time at school I loved it (laughs) it's so interesting yeah Yeah. (laughs) I I loved um like world war ii world war one like that was the that was the best I feel like um the best part okay I'm gonna test your history knowledge now so I live in Belgium in a place called Waterloo uh it might be it's famous for what happened in in uh back in the day Napoleon. Well, t- tell us the year <laughs> yeah tell us the year when it happened the battle of waterloo <laughs> oh i don't know i feel like saying 18 something but yes yes <laughs> yes 1866 oh. is that right <laughs> hold on john's cut <laughs> 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 hold on let me take a picture of that Oh no, he's back. My Wi-Fi cut at the at the at the most important moment. <laughs> I didn't hear the answer. Did you did you say an answer? No, I should have Googled it quick. Um, oh no. Um, 18 29. Ooh, I, I said I said 1866. 1815, 1815. <laughs> very close, very close. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I've lost my space now. I've uh, John lagged out then. <laughs> am I back? Am I back? Uh, yeah, you're back now. Jesus, my Wi-Fi is struggling right now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but we're nearly coming to the end. So uh, what what would you hope to achieve now you've competed at your first Olympics? What are your future goals and ambitions? What have you got your eyes set on? Uh, so next year, I've got a uh, World Games coming up. Um so hopefully get a medal at that. I'm also hoping to do the World Uni Games, so it'd be good to get a medal at that as well. Um, okay. And then looking ahead to like 2023, 2024, we've got um, obviously got to qualify for the Paris Olympics. So we'll be looking to get a full team quota for that again and then challenge for a medal in Paris as well. And I think having that experience in in Tokyo and actually knowing how well I did probably not being as best prepared as I could have um looking ahead to Paris it makes me a lot more confident and think oh actually yeah I can I can do this like there is no reason why um I'm not capable of that so 
yeah, I, I think that's that's the ultimate goal. And then obviously world and European champs medals would be nice along the way. Definitely. I think now that you're working with a sports psychologist and you figured out what works with, for you at the Olympics, you know, you found that having enjoyment during competing is super important for you. So I definitely feel like you can achieve that and I'm going to be rooting for you. So yep. I'll be looking out <laughs> and then a part two when you get gold. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, in terms of all the questions we had for you, they were all the questions, but obviously we asked social media um, and asked if they had any questions for you. And this is just a sort of segment where we reel them off one for one and get your insight okay. into their questions. So the first one is, if you weren't an archer, what would you be? Oh, um... oh I don't know. I've never thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably still be in university uh, I'd probably end up doing a PhD or something so that I could buy myself a few more years of deciding what I wanted to do figuring out yeah <laughs> no. fair enough fair no. enough so you, you answered the second question already during the podcast so I'm going to skip to question three so what advice would you give to a young archer uh, probably to enjoy it and to get a coach that they worked well with and trusted and yeah just build up the strength love every minute of it and enjoy getting to where they want to be no yeah so they were all the questions we had for you so thanks so much for uh coming on and uh sharing your time with us we really appreciate it and i've really enjoyed learning about archery as well it's been uh super interesting so no thanks so much thanks for having me yeah, this is sort of the segment where I give you a moment to shout anything out you've got going on, all your socials, and that will be in the description of the YouTube video. So, is there anything you want to say? Uh, just thanks to all my sponsors, thanks to UK Sport and National Lottery for our funding this last couple of years. Um, yeah, sweet. Okay, so <laughs> if you could please share this with your friends or someone you, you would feel would benefit from it, most importantly, like, subscribe, comment down below any questions or guess you'd like us to get in the future. Also, go follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Links will be in the description of the YouTube video. Find us at Master of the Mind Podcast. Other than that, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.